slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick fire and drags it down now. Long way over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Here comes up, chance goal! Scotland have scored! It's a goal! It's Dykes! It's Welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast. Scotland are on the brink of Euro 2024. But something else is now upon us. It's actually approached rather quietly given the team's form and the quest for the Euros. But we have the friendly against England on Tuesday. A massive game for any Scot and for most of the English as well, I'm sure. The 150th anniversary game of the first ever international which was played between Scotland and England. And it was nil-nil. How boring back in the day, nil-nil, when they had tape for crossbars. But this time, it's the full whack at Hamden. A Scotland team on fantastic form against an England team that are on decent form, I would say. Ben Ramage, sports writer, is with me alongside Rory Loy, former Falkirk and Dundee striker. Ben, are you, are you struggling to kind of pick which one you want to support on Tuesday? No, that was never an option uh, growing up. Um, I, I grew up in England, but with Scottish parents, and it was very much uh, Scotland all the way for for everything, um, which hasn't always treated me that well. It hasn't always been the best decision, but it's always been the, the one that's in your heart, and you, you've always got to follow that. So, um, no, I've seen Scotland play England a few times now, and it's always been uh, it's always been Scotland. <laughs> well, this uh, this this is a game that we had to wait a long time for throughout the noughties and, and the the playoff at the start of the millennium and then the friendly in 2013. It feels like we're playing England fairly regularly now, Rory, but it, it, it's not diluted at all. I think the rivalry is still fairly strong. Does, does playing England mean anything special for you as a Scotland fan? Um, yeah, I think so. It's got that little bit of spice to it. It's got that little bit of edge to it. I don't think, you know, international friendlies are never that appealing. Uh, yeah, you're looking at you know potential players coming through. You're looking at tactics. You're looking at getting a good performance. You're looking to get a bit of faith from fans in the nation, which Steve Clark's obviously managed to do over a long period of time. But in terms of the actual outcome of the game and the competitive nature of the game, it's sometimes missing, lacking. However, with this fixture, it's not. Um, I think on Tuesday, you know, England and as a nation, will be keen to put Scotland in their place, shall we say. Um, and Scotland will be keen to show just how much we've come on um, as a nation. And I think we're capable of going toe-to-toe with England, player for player, of course. Um, they, they're strong, very, very strong. Um, but at this moment in time, could there be an upset? Could England beat us? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we are on in excellent form. Of course, we, this is a friendly match, but we have won eleven qualifying, like strict qualifying matches in a row with no goals conceded from open play. We've overcome moments of uncertainty to keep uh, our strong run going. For example, Israel at home, Faroe Islands away, and Norway away. So we've managed to dig deep when necessary to keep this run going. England drew with Ukraine on Saturday. I'll give you a run-through of their 11, Ben. This is a strong team. Pickford in goals. Back four of Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire, Mark Guehi and Ben Chilwell. 
three in midfield, Henderson, Rice, Bellingham, three in attack, Saka, Kane, Madison, some of the players that came off the bench or were on the bench, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford, Eberici, Eze and Kieran Trippier. Decent. Yeah, it's, I mean, well, you, you you read the names and yeah, they're they're all incredible players. But from everything that I've read, I've watched the highlights as well. All of the, all of the chat was that they were quite uninspired, that they were, you know, struggling to create, which is quite incredible when you look at the, the kind of players that Southgate has at his disposal. And I think that's what we really have to take. You, you, yes, you can look at the likes of Bellingham and think, yeah, he is. He could well be a generational talent. You know, he's the fact that he's only just twenty is in is insane. Um, but when you actually put them together as a team, they're not always the sum of their parts. And I think Scotland are pretty much the opposite of that. Uh, doubled with the fact that we actually have really, really good players now, is that we have such a strong team ethic. So we absolutely have nothing to fear going into this game. And I think the fact that it's at home as well. Yes, it's a friendly, as we kind of say. It's never really a friendly this game. But the fact that we've got home advantage as well, I really don't think we have a lot to fear. Rory, recent matches against England have been close. If we, if we look at the five, I think it's five that we've played since the, the fixture resumed in 2013. We were narrowly beaten at Wembley in 2013-3-2. We were beaten at Parkhead the year later, I think it was, 3-1, Andy Robertson's first goal for Scotland. We were beaten 3-0 at Wembley in 2016. That was a, a weird one because we actually played quite well that night and missed a couple of sitters at 1-0. Uh, Forrest and Hanley, I think, it, I think it was Forrest that missed a great chance and then England went up the other end and scored a minute later to make it 2-0, which kind of dealt with us at that point. Um, but then since then, it's been a couple of draws, 2-2, the Griffiths game at Hamden and the Euros game at Wembley 0-0. I suppose that game is easily recent enough for the side to take great belief and great heart uh, into this one against a team that player for player uh, is a better squad than us. Yeah. No, I would say so. Um, and we had chances in that game as well. We played well. It wasn't a case of soaking up pressure the entire 90 minutes. Yes, of course, we were under pressure at times. But, um, you know, we could have quite easily won that game had we nicked a, uh, one of the chances that we had or the half chances that we had. You know, hearing you read out the the England team there, I can't remember in my lifetime. Maybe we've had one or two a push in our squad that you're looking going. Would he get a game for England? Maybe, maybe not. And then after that, it's all no. I think Andy Robertson, um, Billy Gilmer, potentially Tony. Cameron McGregor, although uh, yeah, Tierney as well. Yeah, and I think it's more of a difficult one with. McGregor because there'll always be that question mark because he's not playing in the English Premier League but I personally think he would be capable of doing a job um, amongst the world's best um, John McGinn of course so you've got players there who you're, you know Lewis Ferguson is doing it every single week at Bologna he can't even get a game so you're now looking going we have four or five players in our squad who are playing at that level so if these guys turn up and play to their capabilities on Tuesday you know, there's a difference in a squad mentality and a belief of that siege mentality. I've worked on the managers who, who like that. You know, it's, it's us against them and we need to be resilient and we need to stand up to the task and we need to win our tackles. And it's all about the physical aspect and that pride, especially when it comes to, to, to a national game. However, I think there's a, a different type of belief with this squad in that, you know, we can, if we turn up, 
and play to our potential and England have a little bit of an off night for us to not only beat them but play better football than them. Now, it will take a particular set of circumstances for that to happen, but I don't think ever anyone would look at it if it did happen and go, oh my God, that was completely unexpected. And I think that just shows the progress that we've made. You only have to look at the Spain game. You know, that's yeah. a similar, you know, on paper, yes, Spain have incredible players, but the team the team wasn't like working particularly well that night and our football was better than theirs as much as Rodri wasn't having that. You know, we played better than they did and we totally deserve that win. And that's what I believe we can do on Tuesday night as well. Yeah, 100%. Bear in mind that we are now above England in the Nations League. We're a League A team. England were relegated from the Nations League last season. And they were in a group with Germany, Italy and Hungary and ended up on just three points, three draws and three defeats. They, They were battered by Hungary at Wembley. I'd completely forgotten about this game. Hungary won 4-0 at Wembley on the 14th of June 2022. Um, I'd completely forgotten about that. They beat them in Hungary as well, 1-0. So, teams of our current standing in in European football are capable of of causing them problems. Um, England, USA managed to draw 0-0 with them at the World Cup. Um, So, you know, yeah, I, I think that England... While I have much higher expectations than Scotland and, as we've just said, much like Spain, have a squad full of players probably better than ours. If there was ever a time for us to take on England, do you think that it now is probably as near perfect as it could be, Rory, without tempting fate too much? Yeah, I think this squad of players would be um, capable of being competitive against Anybody, I, I really do. And that's not to say that, you know, if we were to play teams of England's calibre consistently, that we would maybe not get the odd hiding here and there. Um, but I think in terms of the timing of it, yeah, it's, I don't see any reason why England, uh, Scotland can't go into Tuesday night with a belief that they can win the match. I, I really don't. Um, you know, sometimes it's a, a little bit of a dangerous way of, of looking at it as well. But you know, we've got that faith that we can say things like that, but Steve Clark will not let them become complacent. So, um, and I think that game, you know, there will not be any complacency in that game anyway because of the magnitude of it, regardless of whether it's a friendly or not. But I um, I think it's good timing, yeah, but I, th- I really do think this squad's in a place where we would look at any game at the moment and not be too phased by it. Ben, I put to you that since the Euros, the team has had results upon result upon result that's incrementally taken us to a next level. Um, Apart from the the Ukraine playoff match, which didn't go our way, we didn't turn up that night. But Denmark at home felt like a huge result for its time and still would be a big result. But at that point, that felt like a bit of a statement, beating Denmark 2-0 at Hamden. Then Spain 2-0 at Hamden felt like a huge moment. That was, I think, probably Clark's first a gigantic scalp as Scotland manager beating Spain 2-0 and then turning the match around in Norway the way that we did in June was another moment first of its kind for Clark and something that we hadn't seen as Scotland fans for a long, long time, if ever, um, for some of us. Would beating England take Scotland up another notch at this stage? I think it would in terms of the sort of 
the fans as well. I think beating England would just if, like you're talking about generations as well that haven't seen that happen. Um, and it would be another feather in his cap, you know, to to be the manager that's 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 actually done it. Because yes, we've been close. Even you think back to the Griffiths, uh, the Griffiths one. We were so close to beating them, but we still didn't get it over the line. Like it, that that game is still tinged with that. It was incredible. Those two goal celebrations are probably two of the best that I've ever had at Hampden. But there's still that moment where it was it just got just wasn't quite as good as it should have been. Um, so if if Clark could deliver that on Tuesday night and his players obviously deliver that um, that moment if we could beat them on Tuesday night I just think yeah it would be he would be even more revered than he already is and the fact that we could also qualify for the Euros on the same night it just has that potential to be one of those incredible nights where it was like where were you and you know hopefully we'll all be in Hamden and it could just be an incredible moment uh, in Scottish football history Rory do you think that despite it being a friendly this game means so much to much of the support, most of the support, that it would just crank things up another level if Scotland are able to to get this over the line, especially, I mean, undisputably, if it is intertwined with qualification, depending on what happens between Norway and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, that would be the perfect storm if England were to um, be beaten on Scottish soil, uh, coupled with the fact that um, we qualified as well uh, for Germany next year. It would be an amazing night. Uh, it really would. Um, listen, it's, it's let's not underestimate England. They're still a very, very good side, um, but but so are we. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting game uh, for sure, and I'll be it'll be good to see how how Steve Clark approaches it. But in terms of what it would do if we were to win, I think it would just again. Uh, and still that um, confidence that we've got in the manager and the players, the supporters are right behind them. And I think it just, as a nation, it would just keep us moving in the right direction. Uh, I really do. Because, like I said, in my, I mean, my earliest memory of this fixture, I think, was my dad jumping off the couch as Don Hutchison headed that um, at Wembley. I think it was it probably been David Seaman and goals at the time. I, I don't know for sure. You know, in terms of qualification, we've been beaten 2 0 at home. We went 1 0 up and we were playing unbelievably well. And that header comes in, and my dad's off the couch, then down on the ground with his hands and his, his head in his hands. Um, can't quite believe it. You know, England managed to scrape through in the end. So, um, you know, historically, all my memories are of England just simply being better than Scotland. Um, whether they play better on the day or the night, they always seem to get the job done. So, it'll be good to see this time. Um, if, if at the end of the 90 minutes there's a different outcome Ben we've seen Scott McTominay play or take his game to a different level for Scotland this year Derek Haston is in the mentions saying he thinks McTominay is going to be like a man possessed on Tuesday he gets a lot of unfair criticism from sections of the Man United and English fan base or pundits while the likes of Declan Rice get bigged up and signed for £100 million plus he will be right up for this one. Do you expect a big performance from McTominay, provided he's still fit on Tuesday? Yeah, I think if you were taking bets on what song is going to be sung the most, I think McGinn's is actually in trouble because I feel like <laughs> McTominay's is going to get a lot of airtime. Um, yeah, I think I think he's he's determined to play well for Clark anyway, as we've touched on before about how Clark has just backed him so much and he's given him that faith when others haven't. I think he's absolutely determined to repay that. 
Um, and yeah, it would obviously be it would be just a headlighter's dream headline writer's dream as well. Uh, if he could, if he was to score the winner against England, given the fact that he turned the English down, as the song says, um, yeah, I think I think they'll all be up for it. I mean, I think if you remember the national anthem before the two-two at Hampden, that to me was one of the best anthems I've ever heard um, at Hampden, and I feel like it will be the same. So I think any notion that this is a friendly will go out of the window at that point because the players the players know already how much it means. But then once that actually happens, it turns it into just like what it is, which is a special fixture. Um, and I think McTominay and every player is going to be desperate to get the win on Tuesday night. Rory, we have a message from David Colvin uh, asking, should Tierney be given a bit of a rest on Tuesday? Two games in five days has led to injuries for him in the past. I, I see and hear David's point. Uh, Tierney is just, if he's fit, too good a player to to leave out, is, is what I would say. How do you see that? I mean, uh, I couldn't possibly pass comment in terms of his level of fitness at this moment in time. That would be up to the medical staff and the people to assess him. But what I would say is he's playing for Real Sociedad now, who are in the Champions League. At some point, he's going to have to play two games in a week. You know, whether that's this week, I don't know. Whether he's ready for that, I don't know. But he is going to have to do it. And he's going to have to do it consistently at some point in the week. Um, because I'd imagine he'll be a, a stalwart and a, 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 you know, one of the first picks for that Real Sociedad side. So whether it's now, whether it's next week, you know, you, you look at next summer as well. Um, in Germany, fingers crossed, once we get over the line, you know, he's going to have to do that at some point. Um, and it's really up to the medical staff and, and the people within Scotland camp who to decide whether that week is this week. But if I was Steve Clark and he was fit, I'd be picking him. Is there any change to the 11? I know that it's very much a squad game now, especially international football. It's rare that a game will pass by without 15 or maybe even 16 players playing. But Ben, if you compare the starting 11 from Friday against Cyprus, is there is there anything you would like to see differently from, from the start against England? I don't think so. I think that was... That was probably our strongest eleven. I, I think Dykes, I don't know if Dykes was fit. Would you maybe put him in as the sort of, he's just got that little bit more physical presence um, and also that just little bit of edge where he might just ruffle the England defenders a little bit more than Adams. I think Adams is technically a, a superb striker. Um, I don't know if Dykes will maybe just have that little bit more impact up front. Um, again, that very much depends on if he's fit or not. He came on. Um, and he looked fine against Cyprus. Um, but no, I think at the midfield, I would keep Billy Gilmore because he showed at Wembley how good he can be on the ball under pressure. And you need that against a so-called better team. Um, and yeah, Tierney, uh, Tierney's intrinsic to how we function, especially, you know, that left-hand side, him and Robertson. Um, if Tierney's fit, I would be playing him uh, 100%. Dykes and Adams have played up front together before, Rory. Is, is that an option for the England game? For, for example, if, if I run you past the 11 that started at Wembley in the 0-0 draw, Marshall, OK, he's retired, gunning goals now. The back three, McTominay was right centre-half. Uh, he'll be further on, I'm sure. Hanley injured. Uh, Tierney was at the back. Robertson left wing-back. Stephen O'Donnell was right wing-back. I'm sure Hickey will keep his place now. 
the midfield was actually Gilmore, McGregor and McGinn. So McTominay obviously had dropped back into defence. Yeah. And then Dykes and Adams up front. We don't really see them together all that often now for Scotland, Dykes and Adams. They, they did play together for a stage. Would you prefer, again, just one of them with McGinn and McTominay pushing on? Um, yes. Now, I don't think Steve Clark will do this. Uh, no, I, I would play one up top. Um, and I agree with Ben. Like, Yes, you could make an argument for or against either Dykes or Adams, but all in all, I don't think there would be many quibbles, regardless of who starts up front. Uh, I think um, everyone would be quite happy to see Dykes or Adams start the game without much um, pushback. I would like to see Lewis Ferguson play. Um, I made the point in the last show that if you are to throw the likes of Ferguson into a game like this, you will have guys like Kenny McLean who've been massive contributors who'll be disappointed and it, you know, there'll be a level of expectation there. So I'm talking completely from a personal point of view. I don't think Steve Clark will do this. Um, I think he will. That'll be pretty much the team that started um, the other night against Cyprus or a sprinkling of one or two of the five subs that he brought on. I don't think he'll come away from the tried, the trusted and the trusted. But me personally, I think if you're doing it every week in Serie A for Bologna, scoring goals against Juventus, I think at some point you've got to be given an opportunity. Um, so I personally would like to see Lewis Ferguson play from the start. I don't think he will, but that's just my personal preference. So, um, you know, how, how you would work that in terms of the other personnel. Um you know, I would need to need to think about, but I, I would like to see Lewis Ferguson to see what he could do in a Scotland shot because I think he's, I think he's earned it. Is it quite strange, Ben, to be approaching an England game under the premise of being able to hopefully take them on at their own game and play and rely on the quality that we have at our disposal rather than whipping up a bit of a bit of a hurricane and relying on the blood and thunder underdog scrapping fighting for everything tag that we probably have looked to utilize against England when we've played them in the last decade yeah I think again that just shows how far we've come I think before that was the kind of attitude we had to take to level the playing field because they genuinely had much more talented footballers than we did so the way of leveling it was to kick them harder to run harder and admittedly, we may still have to do a bit of that, um, but we don't have to really adapt our game as much as we used to going from playing a lower seed to playing a, a, a top seed because we showed against Spain that we don't have to play that way to to upset the apple cart that way. We, we kept the ball brilliantly against Spain. We attacked brilliantly. We scored good goals. There's no reason we can't do that against England, especially an England team that by all accounts, aren't really fully motoring at the moment. They they win quite a few games simply based on the quality of the players that they have, not on the system that they're playing. And you saw Ukraine, you touched on the Nations League. They're not an unstoppable machine at the moment. Um, we can certainly we can certainly start them on Tuesday night, playing our way. We do have a story that's emerged in the last 24 hours or so. It's Harvey Barnes, Rory, the Newcastle winger, who qualifies for Scotland through grandparents, has said no to Scotland in the past, has said no to Steve Clark, I believe for Clark's first squad against Cyprus in June 2019. The Times 
are now reporting that he's considering an approach or a switch of allegiance. He is up against players like Foden and Grealish for England, Marcus Rashford, so it's tough to break in there. This has always been a bit of a touchy subject, especially since Scotland have started doing better. Convenient timing for somebody to decide that they'd rather play for Scotland than England. Where do you stand on this? Because Barnes, I think we don't have too many wingers at our disposal, would absolutely improve the quality of our squad. Is he willing? Is he eligible? And is he good enough? Does it begin and end there for you or does this run deeper? He's good enough. Um, I think when players make it so obvious that they're coming to Scotland simply because they can't get in the England squad, which I think, given he said no to Scotland before, and he is operating at a very high level, and I think you know he's probably in that next batch of players who Gareth Southgate would consider if he did have a few injuries. So I think it is a case of, well, can he get a game for England? So look at Scotland, and I don't think that would sit well with others. I think if they, it was the base, you know, the basis of the squad that. That, that was doing that, I would start to have an issue with it. I don't mind the odd sprinkling, but you know, you look at the look at the side. John McGinn, you know, a product of St. Mern's uh, youth system. Callum McGregor came through at Celtic. Kieran Tierney came through at Celtic. Um, you know, you could probably oh, run Queens Park. Oh. Andy Robertson, Queens Park. Ryan Porteous, Hibbs. So I think there's enough in the squad at the moment where I'm looking going. You know, yeah, there's enough homegrown talent there from a sprinkling of our different clubs to go it is a good representation of us as a nation in terms of the work that we do up here I think when it got, gets to the point where that changes and it's mainly made up of players who just kind of get a game for England I, I think I would start to have an issue with it but at this moment in time I think we've got a good good representation of us as a nation you know Billy Gilmore working through at Rangers as well now playing the Premier League so there's enough in there for me to go, you know, that I'm, I'm I'm quite happy with where we're at with that. So I wouldn't have any objections at all with Harvey Barnes coming in, especially a player of that calibre. Ben, would you have turned England down? Uh, <laughs> I never had that trouble. I never had that option to make. Um, I look, we've, we've covered it before. We've covered it with, with different players that have come in. Um, there's, there's, there are, you know, there's, there's both at the moment. There's players that are from England that have Scottish links that have come in and obviously done us proud. You know, look at Lyndon Dykes um, coming from Australian background as well. I just, it doesn't bother me. Like, I think we've, you know, we've, we've covered this before quite a few times. That it is very much if you're eligible and you want to and you're good enough, if you're committed to do everything you can for that shirt, I, it, it really doesn't bother me. Um, I'm just. You don't I'm think, so though, happy. Ben, it would get to the stage where it was becoming a little bit ridiculous if you'd get 10 at the start and 11 that we aren't, that have never lived more than a couple of years in Scotland? Yes. That's, that's like, I was just, I was going to say, like, what you've touched on that I think as long as the, the core really understands what the shirt means, because that's the only issue is that then I think you'd have the danger that players were coming in, like you say, just because they want to play international football, which that isn't a good enough reason. But I think Clark is clever enough to to be able to work out which of those players are doing it for that reason and which are doing it because they actually really want to represent Scotland. I'm pretty sure there'd be enough due diligence to make sure the players weren't just using Scotland 
it, it has to be for Scotland's benefit first and foremost. And to me, what comes into that criteria is that they have to really want to play for Scotland, not just how because they how, how do you measure that, though? Because it's, it is blindingly obvious that Harvey Barnes would rather play for England and he is using Scotland for international football. I mean, there is no two ways about that. You can sit down and have a meeting with him. I don't think he's ever going to be passionate about Scotland. Now, that's maybe built up over time, but I think it's a surely footballing decision. He would improve our squad massively. So get him up. I, I just don't know if you can ever look at Harvey Barnes at this moment in time and go, yeah, he would give everything for the shot because he, he is. There is no getting away from it. He is playing for Scotland. If he does, that does end up happening because he can't get a game for England. That is just the, the facts of it. So I think it would be a surely footballing decision. Where do you draw the line on that, though? How Because how, you're talking about keeping a certain number that have come through Scottish Academy, say, there... But what if there's another five Harvey Barnes? Then where where do you draw the line in that? Well, he's better than what we have. Well, I think I think you would need to take each individual one on its own merits in terms of the squad at that particular time. So you know, I don't see a scenario at the moment where there's going to be players who come in who dislodge our homegrown talent, such as John Grun- uh, John McGinn, Billy Gilmer. Um, Brian Porteous, all the ones I've mentioned, I don't see many out there that would be able to do that. So at this moment in time, you know, if you're going to tell me there's, a, there's an influx of 15 players who want to come in and take starting jerseys and you know from these guys, and that that's completely different. But in this one instance, I think we'd be kidding ourselves on if 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 we said that Harvey Barnes was going to come up here and you know really be passionate about the nation of Scotland and and, and he would maybe he would give everything because he wants to be successful at international level. But I would find it a stretch to say that he would be giving everything as a passionate Scotland supporter. Yeah. Does it change the way that things are viewed? Because traditionally it is England, our rivals, that these players are seen to be dropping down from. For example, if Harvey Barnes was German and was struggling to get in the Germany team and then thought, you know what, I will utilise my Scottish granny to get a bit of international football experience. Would there be anywhere near the amount of chat or controversy over decisions made by players like this, Rory? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think that the discussion, whether he's English, German, wherever he's from, I think the basis of the discussion and the core argument is is the same. I don't think it makes a whole great deal of difference. Just the fact that he's English and can he get a game for England? I don't. That, that wouldn't change anything in my mind um, or the the core discussion of it. I don't. I don't think it makes any difference whether it's England or Germany or Spain or whatever it may be. I know it's a lot closer to home in terms of. Um, you know, jumping ship from England is maybe slightly different, but for me, I don't think it would be viewed any differently. There are a few at Newcastle, Ben. Barnes just signed there in was it January. It wasn't this summer, was it? It was January. He Barnes went to to Newcastle, I think. Um, Anderson, in fact, Anderson. Let's talk about Anderson because he had his first call up before the Cyprus game and dropped out on the Wednesday or the Thursday last week um, with an injury. Benny Steve Clark was asked. Have you had any assurances from Anderson over his commitment? And and Clark just said, nope, he just left with an injury. So it's all very vague. Uh, I'm not too sure. But I know some people that are quite quite cynical about it and think that Anderson's come up and had a, a swift change of heart. But um, we'll see, I suppose, when the October games come around, if he and or Barnes are 
are included. You've got Tino Livramento, or who probably two or three years ago would have been more encouraging, but we're now pretty much sorted with Hickey and Patterson. But Livramento was born in England to a Portuguese dad and a Scottish mum. Um, I don't really know where his heartstrings are tied to. I think he's played for England youths most of his uh, growing up, but he's eligible at right back, but we're okay there now. Um, and we had Matt Target as well, who could play at left back, but that's probably the last position we need to be recruiting um, depth at the moment. Um, but yeah, the I suppose I suppose given that you are a, a perfect example, you're you're not quite as as removed as Harvey Barnes because you have Scottish parents. You were raised as a Scot in England, which is why um, your your accent contradicts your how you feel. Um, I suppose, but um, with can can you relate at all to why Barnes might be now jumping towards representing Scotland when the time is seemingly more suitable for him? Yeah, I think the thing with Barnes is that he has actually played for England as well. Like to me, that makes it slightly more like even more so that he is just using Scotland because that's the way that he's going to get international football because he came through the the England youth setup as well. Whereas I think Elliot Anderson has been involved with Scotland and England at youth level. So it's obviously a very, very difficult choice uh, for him to make. And you just don't know what kind of family upbringing, you know, how they, how they truly feel. And yeah, like you say, I've, I've sort of grown up on both sides um, I've been the the boy with the English accent growing up in England wearing a Scotland shirt to school when you were allowed to sort of wear football tops into school and it's 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 quite strange like it's it's a weird environment to be in and as much as people maybe don't like to see it there is a lot of anti-Scottish feeling in England and I think that there is probably very much the same in Scotland you know I've seen that as well um, so I, I fully believe that that is why these decisions are they're seen as more sort of vitriolic because there is there is that there is that rivalry there that's always going to be there um so yeah it is it's a it's a muddy one i i really don't like particularly getting into it Uh, that's why i tend to go down the line of if they're good enough and they're eligible and if if clark believes that they are right for the team then that's that's enough for me yeah you make a good point um Barnes has played for England. He played 14 minutes of a friendly against Wales a couple of years ago, or three years ago now. Um, I think the last time that that was, we came close to something like that, was Stephen Colker. Remember Stephen Colker was linked with a call-up to the Scotland squad and he had played a full international for England against Sweden, I think. And that put a lot of people off. Uh, So I wonder if, or should this progress any further, if people will start to uh, point out that Barnes has actually played for the the full team and, and that would have ruled him out until a, a rule change not too long ago. It it was a cap, didn't it didn't have to be a competitive cap. So a decade ago Barnes would be ineligible for Scotland because he'd played for England. So the rule change has really relaxed the way that players can can move around if they feel that their op- their opportunities at international level are stunted. And Harvey Barnes's are undoubtedly he has Grealish probably England's starter on the left. You have Foden who can come off the bench, Rashford floats around the front three. It's tough for Barnes to get in there and we don't have a lot of wingers at Scotland at the moment. I think that's why maybe the introduction of Anderson to the squad was uh, was seen as a positive. You have Ben Doak who will no doubt be involved in the next year for the national team. 
and, and that's exciting. I mean, the thought of Ben Doak on the right and Harvey Barnes on the left, should we ever need or have to switch to a different setup? Um that that is that is a strong, strong forward line. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it transpires, but that is courtesy of the Times this weekend. They're saying that Harvey Barnes is considering an approach from Clark. We'll leave how convenient you feel the timing is up to up to you. So yeah, look, England on Tuesday. By the time we record the review of the England match, we could be talking as a team that's qualified or supporters of a team that's qualified for Euro 2024. For that to happen, we need Georgia and Norway to draw in Oslo. We'll see how that pans out. Let's just enjoy the England game. Hopefully we can pick up a positive result, keep the momentum going, provide a memory for the ages that isn't tainted by Harry Kane at the back post. And we'll... yeah. And we'll be chatting with smiles on our faces on Wednesday or Thursday when we do the review podcast. So, yeah, Rory, Ben, thanks very much for coming on. And fingers crossed, Scotland can keep this run going. Sports Social Podcast Network.